0: The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bike. From the Crosley Studios in Race City, USA, here's your host, Kyle
1: Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, from the Speed Sport Studios, presented by Crosley Radio. This week, I'm lucky to have a guest here in the studio with me today, Adam Logan. I work with Adam at SRI Performance, and uh, you know, just trying to get this podcast deal started back up, and <clears throat> it's really hard to get a line up a guest. Everybody's in Florida racing right now, and Adam has been raced has raced in Florida. He he's probably been there the last eight or ten years in a row. And uh, me and him work together. And I just looked to him and said, "Man, why don't you come do this?" So, anyway, welcome to the studio today, Adam
0: glad
1: to be here. Glad <laughs> well, uh, to be
0: here. if I can't be in Florida, let's just talk about some racing.
1: That's what we're going to do today. Talk about some racing. So for those that don't know, uh, Adam, he was Daryl Anigan's crew chief for a long time there for the past few years and won a lot of World of Outlaw races and everything. And he's going to tell us all about that and what it takes to be a crew chief out there on the road. And we're just going to kind of roll with it. I'm not, I don't really have too many questions, but he, he and I usually can carry on a conversation pretty good to where we don't really need questions. So, uh, so anyway, Adam, I guess the first thing I'll ask you is kind of how did you get your start in racing and, and when was that?
0: Probably got my start probably I was about seven years old. Um, my dad come home one day, um, said, hey, you want to go racing? I said, sure, why not? So we loaded up on a Friday night and went up to, um, I'm from Alabama, uh, northern Alabama, so there was, a, there was an asphalt track up there, Huntsville Speedway. And we um, went and checked that out, and probably for the first couple of years, that's all I did every Friday night was go, go to this asphalt track. And then uh, one night, he just come back and said, hey, there's a dirt track. You know, probably, it's actually closer. It's the other way. When we go down there, never looked back. <laughs> dirt was in my blood after that. And pretty much just went to all the dirt tracks, and probably the, the worst thing for me, honestly, was there was a street stock in town. Every day I'd go to school, come home, there was just a little garage on Main Street, had this street stock sitting in it and it just caught my eye. I had to get mama to stop me you know, stop by there and check it out. Got the crawl all over it, sit in the driver's seat and from then it's like it, it meant something to me, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, this this is you know, it's it's tangible, you can touch it and you can actually get involved with it and just from there it led to, you know, helping a local guy put put some tires on his car you know jacking it up and put some tires on and then from there just progressed
1: that's the problem with a lot of racing is there's not a lot of garages that's got race cars anymore back in the day you know that was on every corner in every city everywhere and and the kids would uh would help out and then they'd grow up to race you know and there's not many of those so for you to have that kind of a background that's that's a neat story
0: yeah i mean like i said it was it was on main street so like i
1: when I was I was, was that in, in Alabama. What was that? Where was that?
0: Now That Alabama? was Hartsville, Alabama. Okay, who was it? The that? guy was the the guy's name was Tim Baker. He had an old Camaro. It was red. Had like a fluorescent eighteen on it, and I mean, it just had big wide tires on it. <laughs> scream going down the track. I was like, and, and originally, like I I noticed the car on the track before I even you know realized, hey, that's the guy I pass every day. And it was just like they had a little car lot and they had a little garage stall. And there was the car sitting in there just on a lift. And like I said, that just, like I went by there, you know, introduced myself, got the, you know, kind of talked to the driver and the car owner of it. And like I said, I started watching them at the dirt track. And then from there, kind of, you know, going into pits and, you know, actually being close to the cars. And then, like I said, them guys, you know, they, they let me put the tire on. And then from there, it just kind of, kind of progressed. Uh, there was a, there was a guy. He probably lived probably about forty five minutes away from me. He raced super late models there, every every Saturday night, and kind uh, of, kind of weasel my way over there and started helping that guy. Just hanging around him, just you know, like I said, just doing the doing the little things. You know, wiping the car down, putting the tires on the, you know, just kind of the little things. Mm-hmm. That, you know, a lot of people just kind of look over, but. It, like I said, it just it just sparked an interest in me, and and I knew from then that I'm going to be involved with racing. I'm gonna i to do something with this, and so that's pretty much how it you know it went. Um, did that you know all through high school, and then I graduated, uh, went to college, kind of kind of stepped away for a little bit. You know, did the college thing, but I still would would go to as many races as I could. And kind of got linked up with a guy out of, out of Mississippi. I went to school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, University of Alabama. So it was kind of closer to, like, the Columbus, Mississippi, the old Bull Ring, Magnolia. Oh, yeah. Why not, stuff like that. So it was easier for me to go to those tracks and kind of got hooked up with uh, uh, David Brazil, the Raging Rebel. Um, kind, of the, kind of the same thing, just kind of eased my way in there, you know, just kind of helped him on, you know, certain nights. And from there, just kind of, that's, that's what led me to actually getting a full-time, you know, this is what I do, a full-time job racing. Um, helped him out a little bit. He was race, racing for um, a team out of Louisiana, Voodoo Motorsports. You probably know. Yeah, yeah, Scott Crill,
1: his, um That's who we need to get on here. When we yeah, we Scott. need to get
0: old Jit on here. <laughs> um, but David was racing for his, uh, his older brother and his dad. And kind of the same deal. Just showed up on the weekends and helped them, and then kind of went with them a couple, a few times on. They'd started doing the Lucas tour, and then um, once they kind of they kind of split. And then the Lucas deal didn't work out for him. Um, Scott was going to school up here, so I think he graduated school, moved back home, and kind of school with me. So that's yeah. how I got to know him. Yeah, know, yeah, he was up here. And um, he moved back, and they started, you know, he started racing more. And, you know, David kind of, you know, they kind of split their ways, and he, he um, started racing for these um, this team out of Laurel, Mississippi, Henderson Motorsports. Um, you've probably seen him on the side of Billy Moyer's car. Right, yeah. Um, Leon um, Henderson was the owner, and like I said, me and I kind of left with David. When he left Voodoo, I kind of stayed with David and um, started racing with them, and then they were – you know, they had a two-car team. The owner, Leon Henderson, had a car, and then David had a car. And so pretty much I got offered to become a full-time crew member. You know, hey, take care of David's car. We had another kid um, took care of Leon's car, and then we had um Wayne Baker was kind of like the, the crew chief, the head guy. He would kind of oversee the operation, and we just – um just raced, uh, regionally around Mississippi. We'd hit a few big shows. We'd go to like the Topless or, um, to show me when it was in West Plains, mm-hmm. but we mainly did the Mississippi state championship series and just, you know, them bigger races, fall classic and stuff like that. And started doing that. And then, um, we kind of, we bought cars and we bought parts through that Ronnie Stuckey down in Louisiana. And one day we were, I think it was towards the end of the year. Um, is that one of them bigger races? Uh, Stucky was around. I kind of, like, I made – I kind of asked him a question, and, and he was like, hey, is there any full-time big late model teams out there looking to um, hire anybody? Like, I'm looking to get on the road. Like, this regional deal is pretty cool. Um, I kind of want to do it full-time. And he's, he said, well, I think, I think I got a guy up in Kentucky, Daryl Lannigan. I think he's looking – you know, he's – him and his crew chief kind of split ways, and he's rebuilding the team, and he's he's looking for a crew guy. You know, um, well that have been
1: Jason Jameson at that time.
0: That was Randall, Randall, okay. Randall, Randall Edwards, Edwards. and Daryl been together yeah, for okay.
1: years, and and Randall
0: decided he was going to leave and kind of go do his own deal. So um, Daryl was looking for a crew chief and looking for a tire guy. You know, he's just trying to you know rebuild his team, and you know Stucky gave him a call, um, told me calling, talk to him. So I did kind of gave me a run 2012 I moved up there He uh, well Union Kentucky Union Kentucky <laughs> uh, went up there he's gonna give me a trial run he said he said we're gonna go to Florida We'll see how it works out and we get back we'll we'll discuss it. first race out we went 20 grand down it went uh, at Scraven, winter <laughs> freeze and then we go on to I think we won three or four more during during speed weeks that year and we come back and he said, think this is going to work out and i was like well, i hope it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't got nowhere to go yeah so um that's uh that's how me and daryl started i was just just a crew member tire guy and started in 2012 with him jason jameson that's where jameson come in there and he was you know he was the crew chief and um it was that was it that was that's probably the best thing best thing i've ever been with which Really, probably the only team I've ever been with, but I me and Daryl
1: had some good years. Yeah, well, you know, after that, you guys beat down the road pretty hard there for several years chasing the world of outlaws. And I mean, I'm sure we could go on and on and on about it, but you got to see a lot of racetracks and go to a lot of places just traveling. And I guess that was a neat part of it, but it is a lot of work.
0: Oh, it is. It is. Like, just like me growing up, we only want, you know, me and dad only went to, you know, one or two tracks every Friday, Saturday night, you know, we go to Huntsville, we do the asphalt deal on Friday night, and then we go do the dirt deal, and then we, you know, every now and then, like my dad grew up in Birmingham, he grew up around the old Alabama game, B.I.R., you know, Red Farmer, all the, oh, yeah. all the, Neil Bonnet, and the Allisons, and all them guys, so we would go down when, you know, B.I.R. is no longer there, they mowed it down, but, We'd go down there and see Southern All-Star Asphalt stuff. Like, we we would venture out. We'd go to Nashville from time to time. And then we'd go to Talladega Short Track. So, like, I was limited to, you know, what else is out there. You yeah. know, you kind of get stuck in, you know, your you're, local. You're races. in that little region.
1: Yeah. You, like, you, that region you're talking about. Like, I've been to a lot of races. I've never really been to that region. Yeah. So, to put it in perspective, like, there's a whole other world out there that the, that's, Both of us haven't.
0: That's the that's the biggest thing, really. A lot of people, what you don't realize is you kind of get stuck. You know, you know, up here in, in the Carolinas, you know, you get used to seeing your your Fergusons, your Zach Mitchells, um, you, you know, your Dalton Wilsons, your Benji Hicks, and, you know, Ross Bells. You get you get stuck on seeing those guys and how they race at certain racetracks and how they race, and then you you get with a big team or you move regions, and you're like, damn. <laughs> There, there's more of these guys out there that are really good. And um, getting on that outlaw deal, like, it opens your eyes. Like, I, I first time I ever saw Scraven was when we rolled in for the winter freeze. And, you know, I I knew Daryl was a good driver. You know, he's, he's already won a championship before I got there. So I knew he was a good driver. But you get down there, first race out, and he wears them out. We win 20 grand. I'm like, it's probably a good move. <laughs> you know, and then we, you know, from there you go to, like, Bubba's and – north florida and you go to volusia and like all these different tracks that are new to me but that guy's he's racing for years and you get on you get on the tour like that and you you go you know you go up in minnesota wisconsin you know just different fan bases different racetracks they race different illinois pennsylvania new york you know you know around kentucky going to florence and stuff like that there's a lot of good racetracks that are
1: you know, there's a lot of good cars that come out of those areas, all oh, yeah. those different areas around the country. And what I like about it when they all come together, like uh, like this week here, we're at Volusia and, you know, the best of the best all come down there. There's three or four from each region that are the best that are there. And, um, you know, I've talked a lot about Eldora on this show, but that is the proven ground on who's the best, I think, every year.
0: It really is. It's um, – that place will make or break you. Yeah. It's, it's one of those places, um, you know – when I first started with Daryl and getting on on out on the road, the world and the dream, it was tough. Mm-hmm. You still you sh- is. It still is, but today you almost have a little bit of, you almost have an advantage as a a newer driver who's never been up there or someone who doesn't have a a ton of laps showing in showing up to the place because they run you know the twin features now. You got you know you almost got two nights of racing before. The World 100 Saturday. When we when we first time I went up there with Daryl, you know we went up there Wednesday night. You get in line, you pull down, you park, you unload, you go through tech, and then you crack open a beer.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. all.
0: That's all Thursday was yeah. was you go through tech. You know change what you have to if you you know. It wasn't. It wasn't like I, we didn't have horror stories like the you know the old guys where you had to go back three or four times. You know we were pretty you know, little things here and there that they made you change or made you get within tolerance. But for the most part, you'd roll through tech, put it back in the box. And then Friday, you'd have two laps, hot laps. And then you'd have two rounds of qualifying, put it back in the box. And then after, you know, then hopefully you made it in the top 120 and, you know, you raced your heat races. So, you know, back, you know, that was 2012 and before that you know it was if you weren't on your on your game when you showed up in there it was tough but now you know you got you got three or four days if, if you weren't good on Thursday you know you got a little bit of time to fix it think about what you need to do and then like I said you got two features that are 20 30 laps so that's a lot of these younger kids get more laps you know to figure out the place than like when Daryl grew up you know he, he'd go up there for years trying to get laps at
1: the place. Yeah, Yeah, I personally, I like that format a lot better now the way it is with uh, with those with the three-day show and all that because I never went up there whenever it was just qualifying. Um, We're gonna take just a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast. Coming up more with Adam Logan, this is the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. welcome back to the forward bike podcast we're still here with adam logan in the studio adam before that we were talking about going through tech at, at eldora and talking about the show format at eldora both of those are pretty huge topics right now in the in the sport of dirt lake moderation, especially going through tech um what do you think about this droop rule kevin rumley put out an interesting tweet the other night about about how it, it's it, it was made to benefit the smaller teams but he feels like it's hurting them more you know we saw it the other night there at that East Bay, guy got thrown out for not passing droop, and I think it's kind of well. I don't know. I, I never have had to go through it personally, but you have. So, what do you think about it? Uh, my views on it, I, I feel like
0: it's to me it equal it it levels the playing field out to me. Um, you know, I me being you know I, like I said, I've been on you know a local team, kind of a regional team, then and a national touring team. Um, you know when you step up to that level, the world of Outlaw, Lucas, you know, them traveling guys that show up at the Crown Jewels and the and places like that. I mean, they, their stuff is so prepared. You know, we, we work, you know, that's what our job is Monday through, you know, Saturday, Sunday, you know, seven days a week. That's what we do is we race. We, you know, we work on the cards. We, we fine tune our setups and, and what's, what's comfortable for the driver, what's good for him. Um, So, you know, to me, the droop rule almost, I think it equalizes the field out. Um, because, you know, and I'm, I'm not here to bash any series or make any series sound better than the other, but, like, before this year, like, the Lucas rule was your deck height had to be, you know, 39 inches, you know, before rolling out on the racetrack. And then the Outlaws a couple years ago, which I was, you know, I was a part of the team when that happened. They, they made this instituted the, the droop rule. Which really, all it's really what is made to do is you know, everybody's left rear on these late models is you know, trying to get more travel, they're trying to get more travel out of that left rear. And the more travel, the higher you can get that left rear in the rear of your car, you're getting that spoiler up in there and you're getting downforce by doing that. So, you know, there were some teams out there that you know, figured out how to do it better than others, they could get you know, more travel get the rear of the car up, get the spoiler up in the air, you know, more than others. And, you know, they, they were looking, you know, I, I was, you know, being on the outlaw tour, you know, the years before that and around that time, you know, everybody's trying to keep the cost everybody, you know, that's, that's what everybody's saying trying to keep the cost down, trying to keep the cost down, you know, is it motors, is it bodies, is it suspension, you know, what, what do we need to do? So um, they instituted a droop rule, which basically all it is is it's a chain with a little hockey puck in there, and it, it limits the travel of your rim. To me, you know, I'm, I'm no Kevin Rumley. I'm not, you know, some <laughs> engineer, you know, but just being around it, it, it levels the playing field out because no matter what you do before your car touches the racetrack, when you get on the racetrack and you gas up, rear end moves get in posture, get an attitude racing around a racetrack you're set at 50 and a half 50 and a quarter whatever the the rule is that's you can't get no more than that no matter what you do you're yeah. at you're yeah. at 50 and a half you know and you know before that everybody was trying to you know, trying to get that left rear down as far as they could. You know, they were rolling through the pit, scraping, you know, the plastics off the side, the Stand left on side the back, the standing of the on car. the back of you, find the biggest guy you can get, you know, <laughs> yeah. and get old Jim Bob out there to sit on the back of the car to suck it down. You know, we were, you know, building shocks that, you know, had blowout valves in them that once you push it down, it's dead. And so you could push it down even further. And so you were... Getting everything you could, you know, getting that left rear down, getting the back of your car down so much that then you could jack your, your spoiler up in your rear deck. So you're 39 inches, but then when you get on the racetrack, you get an attitude. Mm-hmm. Now you yeah. got more. <clears throat> I get now, that. Now you yeah. got, I mean, obviously, yeah. You know, and, and so I feel like the droop rule to me, you know, I, I think it levels the playing field out. It's not, I mean, it is, I, I see the, the, the side of it where, you know, you gotta pay attention to it more. I mean, you you know, you change your stagger, you put a, a bigger left rear on, or you change your loads, or you. All that stuff does factor in to your rear deck height. You know, all that stuff does. Um. So, I mean, you do have to you do have to stay on top of it and and know okay where am I, you know? Check it real quick, and it, and it don't take long. You know, much to check it. You throw a jack under the under jack it up, tire comes off, check the deck height. It's not, it's nothing crazy. I mean, it's it's simple, but, you know, some people, I mean, and there's variables to everything, you know, some people saying, well, if the hockey puck breaks, been there, done that, you know, it's happened to us, you know, you you get out there racing on a rough racetrack or you've, um, forget to change the puck out, you know, maintenance deal, you leave it in there a little bit longer. I mean, there's, there's forces and tension there that it's going to blow out and, you know, a one-inch hockey puck blows out. Guess what? you got an extra inch on your deck now. So, I mean, there's stuff like that that you have to watch for. But in, in my personal opinion, I think it, it, it levels the playing field out. I think it's better for all the racers. And Like I said, you, you're you always going to have the few guys that, you know, it bites them. And, you know, it, it looks like people are – you know, target them or they get thrown out and they're a lower budget team and then always they always throw that out. You know, well, it hurts that guy. <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at last week, how many people really how many people really got thrown out because of deck height over 10 in the first night it at it Brunswick? Yeah, he would have won all three. He would have won all three. I mean, yeah. he was he was on kill that weekend, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, stuff like that. I mean, I wasn't there, not on his crew. I mean, we it's, hard to them, it's, it's hard, hard to say. say what happened, and and maybe it's one of those deals, and you know, they like just overlooked it. You know, what I mean, just made a change on the car, or you know, you know, like I said, something might have broke or something like mm-hmm. that. And but hey, that's part of it. You know, that's, yeah. that's part of part of you know, you gotta have rules. I you know, like I said, I feel like it's it's making the racing better, and just because you know, like I said, you we were back in. Oh, 12, <laughs> story. 13, yeah, 12 13 14 i mean you're looking out there you know you know racing is an evolving sport you know somebody it's, it's a it's a shoving match you know you're gonna push me i'm gonna push you i'm gonna go out there and win a bunch of races the next team's gonna do their homework next thing you know they're kicking our ass and now we got to go do our homework um but i can just go back and people started realizing okay we're in this attitude now, what more can we do to these cars to make them faster? The next thing you know, they're jacking these decks up. I mean, you can see it on, in some of the cars, like the the windows are all bowed up and bent in awkward places. The graphics don't match from the door to the corner You are like, hmm, why is there a big bare spot in between the corner well, They're jacking them up, so I mean, it's it's one of those deals like that. You need to have a rule because you know, no rules, it's gonna be wide open. You are gonna have somebody with a you know 60 inches back there car looks like almost like a wedge car back in the day but yeah but that, and that's my view like I said that's that's just me being being on crew and then when we went through it I mean we were I mean I was on it was when we were racing for um we were racing for Barry Wright racing the house car when the outlaws decided to implement the the droop rule and like I said we 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 went through some issues where or puck broke or, you know, certain things you do at a race car, you're on the verge. I mean that's that's any racing. Any racing, you're gonna push that gray that gray area. So um to sit there and say just because you're pushing it, it's a bad thing, I I think it's a good thing. Yeah.
1: So. Well that that's enough of the droop rule. Yeah, that droop rule. We can get started now ex- all the bodies we're was, gonna
0: we're kicking them ex- out to the left and all that other
1: stuff. It's it's
0: crazy. It's it's like I said. I think it's I think we're, I think we're heading in the right direction as far as rules since we're on it. I, I, you know, being a crew guy, and you know, you got two different major series out there, and for the most part, it's a late, it's a super late model. But there are certain deals that they're different on each series. You know, as far as tire rules, or um, one series might let you get away with a certain body. Been up this way, or uh, just anything. They might let you get by with something that the other series won't. So, you know, you kind of get, you know, you got your Lucas, you got your outlaw guys, and, you know, you, you race with those guys week in and week out, and you realize, okay, I can beat Shepard. You know, we can beat Shepherd Or whoever was racing, you know, Clanton was on the tour back, you know, T-Mac back in the day, and Cat Daddy. And, you know, you race against those guys, you know how to beat those guys. And then you look at Lucas, you had JD, Bloomquist, Jimmy Owens, you know, all those guys. Well, I think Francis at the time, O'Neill, those guys knew how to beat those guys. They, they were in their rules, we were in our rules. And so, you know, and, and then you show up at Eldor and, and places and to race together, and, you know, some people might have had an advantage at one place and somebody might not. So I think now with, you know, both series getting on the same page as far as rules. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. I, I mean, my, you know, you you don't want to compare, you know, sprint cars versus late models and, you know, asphalt versus. But if you've 30. got
1: a super late model, you should be able to run that same super late exactly. model in Mississippi to, and take it to Illinois and not have to change anything. Exactly. Or, but, all I mean, across the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think. You know, I've always pushed because, I mean, say I was a crew chief for Daryl. I mean, I was, I was a crew member. You know, the biggest thing I did up there, I was a tire guy. So, but a lot of it is, you know, with the tires, you know, Lucas had a different tire rule versus the Outlaws. Like when I first got there in 12, it was an open tire rule. We had 70 tires in our trailer. Oh, yeah. We right. had 70 tires. We had anything from 1100 to a D70 mounted up, ready to go. And you know, the Lucas at that time was kind of like we had 1300s and a few more different options. Um, so it made the racing different. You know, they were, um, you know, you run soft tires, the tracks do not really slick up, you run a harder tire, the tracks slick up a little bit better. So
1: I like how now there's just two or three choices, and, and that, that's that's great. It makes now. it easy, and, and well, now, I wouldn't say easy, it's still a lot not of... easy, but
0: it's almost. It takes that, you know, there's so many adjustments and and things that you can change on these cars. That was one extra thing that we had to think about was the tire rule. And, and late model racing's always been like that. I was always going to out-tire. You know, Blomquist was Mr. Tire Guy. Like, he was always going to try and out-tire the rest of the field to either gain an advantage or try and make his car better at the end or, you know, in a, you know hey, I'm going to run the bottom. So guess what? I'm going to put sauce on my left sides. Or if I'm gonna bang the cushion, you know, there's there, it was a it was a tuning tool. I think now, I think I think getting the rules all the same. Like you said, you can take a late model from the Carolinas and go race in the Illinois, or you know, you can go race Lucas one week, Outlaws next week, Ultimate Series, Southern All Star, you know, UMP. Like if I feel like all the bodies and everything's the same there. Now I think need a uniform tire roll. Yeah. I, I, agree. I honestly
1: think I mean that's that's a lot of it too. I there's an IMCA tire and there's
0: you there's, know there's a Wasoda tire, yeah. there's a you know, now, you know, Lucas kinda went away from their right rear that they had. You know, it was it was a Lucas tire and they kinda went away from because it's it's hard, you know, we're talking about local guys, you know, on that droop rule deal. It's hard for a local guy. He he already knows he's underfunded. He's you know, he's doing the best he can. And then Lucas rolls in, now I gotta buy a whole different tire you know, buy a hundred and fifty dollar tire to mm-hmm. or more. Or more and not make the race. That's mm-hmm. that's tough. So now them getting rid of that and going to almost everybody running the same deal, I think it's um I think it's um that's the next step. You know? I think that
1: I think that's coming. I can I can sort of feel like that's that's gotta be the next step for sure. Uh what about tire doping? Is oh. there, uh, I hadn't seen a good report from the Blue Ridge Labs in quite a while in super late model racing. I've seen some in crates and everything, but it's like as if they're not or they're not testing them, or nobody really cheating them. Or do you know? I don't know. <laughs>
0: I can say this as a tire guy. I never, I never juice a tire. Yeah, I wouldn't know where to begin, where to start. But there are people out there. That's and that's how they made their name was on that. And there's certain areas of the of the country that. You know, it's a free-for-all. They, it doesn't matter. You, it's, it's legal to do it. Go right ahead. So, but I think every series does test. You know, Lucas, you win a race, you're checking your tires. Outlaws, you win a heat race, they're checking your tires. You go to Eldor, you win a heat race, your quick time, um, you win your features, you know, the plen- and Mary nights and all that stuff. They're checking the tires, so I think now, why it's not a big deal anymore, is because there's so much, um, so much testing. You know, it, it. You're not gonna get by with it now. You know, it, nah. you, you win. A, you win a heat race, like, you know that's what's gonna happen. They tell you in the drivers' meet, you win a heat race, we're checking your tire. Top three, <clears throat> we're checking your tire. So you know they. You know going in hey, if I win this race or I finish top three, they're checking my tires. So it's it's not worth it now to do it.
1: Yeah, it blackballed about five of them there a few years ago mm-hmm. at Eldora. They weren't um, even allowed to come back for the world. That was at the dream. And oh, yeah. I hadn't really heard of anything on the national level since that. We'll take just a quick break here, and we'll come back and talk another 10 or 15 minutes or so and wrap this one up. Uh, this is Kyle Armstrong. You're listening to the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by... Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. This is Kyle Armstrong. This is episode number 40, and we are here in studio with Adam Logan, and Adam is telling us about some stories whenever he was a crew chief for Daryl Lanigan there for a time, and uh, he, like I said, he works at SRI Performance now. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that toward the end of the show, but uh, Adam, I wanted to ask you... Um, this is one of the main questions I wanted to ask you. I'm not sure why I'm just now thinking to get to it, but uh, like week to week for a crew chief or a crew member on one of these Dirt Lake model teams kind of talk me through the workload. I, I guess uh, I would assume you just, you wash days on Monday and just kind of take it from there.
0: Pretty much Monday, Monday's wash day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not, some people do it on Sunday, you know, when they get back or whatever, but Monday was always wash day for us. Um, you know, we, Traveling up and down the road, you usually get home Sunday morning, afternoon, or depends on how far away you were. But Monday, you show up at the shop. I always get there probably between 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Unload everything. Unload your race car, your four-wheeler, your pit box, all your dirty tires, your rugs,
1: just everything, you know. Um When you go dirt racing, everything gets dirty.
0: Everything gets dirty. Um,
1: I mean, <laughs> you –
0: Wash day really never ends, honestly. I mean, but you, you get everything, you get your big stuff out. You get your car out, you start tearing the body down off of it, um, getting it ready. Um, but that's the big thing, get your car washed, um, clean it up, and then from there, you know, you, you get your four-wheeler, your pit bike, um, your lift, um, you know, clean your pit box out. We, I work for one of the most anal people in dirt <laughs> racing, Daryl. You look at our stuff and you're like, "Why is this guy dirt racing?" But everything had to be clean
1: on his. Well, let me like, stop you there for just a second, and we can get back. So you told me one time that Daryl like is so serious about working, like he don't let you bring a cell phone in the shop, or a, there's no chairs in the shop to sit no, down in or Yeah, nothing. there's no chairs right? in the shop.
0: No chairs. <laughs> For the longest time, there was no chairs until he, he made him a shock bench, and he finally got him a stool so he could sit on the shock bench and, and do his shock work and everything. But when I first showed up there, there was no chairs. The only chair was in his office. Um, cell phones, no. Cell phones, you walked in, and there was a little ledge right by the door when you come in. You pretty much set your cell phone there, or you put it on the foil, or we parked the foil or by the by the front door. And you set it there, and it, it you working. You know, this ain't this ain't it green, did
1: you go over there and answer it or just leave it yeah. laying there? Yeah, uh,
0: you lunchtime. Yeah. Lunchtime or you had a little quick little break or something, you go check a, you know, go check your text messages or make a phone call here and there. But um that's that's the thing with these these big teams is you work. It's it's a lot it's a job. of it is a job. It's a lot of work. Like Monday, like I said, you get there, you start washing. And like I said, he was, he was very anal, but it was a good anal. You know what I mean? Like you wanted, you wanted to work for him. He strives like, for excellence. Yes. Everything is clean. You want to put that professional image uh, across. So like everything had to be clean. You, you'd wash your rugs. You'd, you'd clean the the trailer. You know, you wiped it, all the, the doors and everything off, the jams. All your tires were clean. The floor was clean. You vacuumed your rugs. Um, Look at that car. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, uh, we got the races on here from Volusion. We got old Jack Hewitt. <laughs> it's a Jack
1: Hewitt throwback scheme. Out there. Um,
0: But yeah, <laughs> the biggest thing about the washing with me, like I, I, I you, you got to take pride in it. You know, this this is what you do for a living. So, you know, it, it made me want to work harder when everything was nice and clean. But usually Monday, like I said, you get everything clean from, from the race weekend. And then on Tuesday, you'd come in and you'd wash the truck and trailer. You know, wash the outside of it, get it all clean, and then while usually my one of us, I was washing the truck and trailer. You know, Jason being there working on the car. Um, and then from there, once you get everything clean, then it's um, you go through the trailer. What did you use up that week? You know, you got you start making a list of uh, what tires to order. Where are we racing at this weekend? Um, did we wreck anything? Did we, you know, if if you used up a, a starter, well, you got to put one back in the trailer, or we change your ends out. Or um, hey, your buddy come and borrowed a lower. Well, you need to, you know, you need to have that got inventory. You gotta inventory everything. Um, your your cleaning stuff, your brake cleans, your your motor oil, all that stuff. You go through the trailer and you make a list. This is this is what I need. And as far as you know, grooving tires, how many tire blades did you use, you need some scuffing pads, all that stuff. You kinda of inventory it, get it back right, and then on, on top of that while somebody's doing all that you're you're getting the car ready. You're going through a service and you're making sure everything you don't have any broken pieces, anything bent, all your himes are loose. You know how many laps are on your motor? Is it time for an oil change? You know, um, you know, is your body dinged up? Do we need to make a a new door, new quarter, anything like that? So, usually Tuesday, Wednesday was a lot of maintenance, a lot of maintenance, um, getting everything ready to go. Um, usually about. Thursday morning, if I made a tire order that's usually coming in either Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning, then I'd start on tires. Um, Try to get a lot of that stuff done before you left the shop. But you know, you're working all the way up to about four or five o'clock on Thursday, loading up, um, load up, hit the road about six o'clock, seven o'clock, and drive all night. So, drive all night, usually stay in the Walmart parking lot (laughs) or. Or something like that. Um, but um, try to drive as much as you could. I mean, you leave. like I said, we, we lived, our shop was right outside Cincinnati, Ohio. So um, it was kind of hard to leave any time before 6 o'clock traffic, no matter which way we went. Um, most of the time we went north, so we had to go through Cincinnati some, somewhat. So we'd only leave about 6, 7 o'clock, drive to probably 2, 3 in the morning, sleep a little bit, and then we try to get ourselves where we were at least two to three hours Friday morning to the track. So we'd get to the track, you know, probably about, you know, 11, 12, unload. And I would finish working on tires. If there was some little maintenance deals that you you didn't get to at the shop, you always trying to finish that up. Daryl was big on um, staying up on the shocks and springs, so – everything come off, like, you put load-up shocks on there, but when you get to a new track, you know, you're always changing your gears, you're changing your shocks, you know, it might be, you know, getting a different setup on there. Um, so a lot of that, um, up till race time, race all night, load up, and then drive. You'd probably, you know, between each race was probably about three to four hours. That's probably a good three, yeah. three to four hours to your next place. Some of them were five, six. Um, but you turn around Saturday, unload about nine o'clock, try to get there between nine and 10 unload. And since I did work for Lanigan, before you, before you started doing any maintenance, any tires, you're cleaning your tires, you're cleaning your trailer, you're sleeping your rug. The race car has to be clean before you work on it. It Has to be wiped down. But that just goes into being professional, you know, trying to put off a, a good image of, you know what we're doing for a living, you know, like I said, show pride in what you do. So, like I said, do all that all day, you know, maintenance in the car, doing tires, getting stuff new ready for Saturday night, load up Saturday night, and drive all the night home. You, you <laughs> might get a Sunday off, you yeah. know, it depends on where you're at. You might get home Sunday morning, you know, Sunday, Sunday afternoon and kind of recharge your batteries a little bit, and then Monday morning, right back at it. Right back at wash day, so I mean it's um, it's um, it's it's a job, it is a job. I mean, and you race 60, 70 times a year, you know. There's not a lot of downtime. I mean, because you know, there's only two people on a cruise, so there's no vacation days.
1: You oh know? no, you No vacation's going to the race.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no vacation because when you're, if you're not there, guess what? Your job don't get done. So. Um, like I said, it's
1: a, it's a lot if of, work. you love racing. That's pretty, you
0: know, it was, it, I, I, I loved every minute of it. Like yeah. I said, you, like we were talking about earlier, traveling and seeing different, um, different racetracks, racing against different people, seeing different parts of the country. Like like I said, I grew up in Alabama and I, you know, I, I saw a little bit, but you know, once I started traveling, like you, I never went to South Dakota, you know, we go to South Dakota, visit cool little towns like Deadwood, South Dakota. That's a, that's a cool little town. Like you like from nineteen or 1876, like it's an old western town. That's somewhere I'd like to go. Uh, like like to yeah, you get to see cool places like that. You know, another, you know, Tim Fuller up in New York. Tim owns a bar, and we got rained out for three days up in the middle of New York. But that was some of the best times we had. And all <laughs> yeah. of us are stuck in this little town. I don't even think it had a stoplight in it. But every morning, when it rained out for three days, so we'd get up, we'd walk around the corner to Tim's bar and just hang out, and get drunk. I can just day. imagine
1: there's ten or 15 oh, yeah, half a million dollar rigs oh, yeah, in this that, town.
0: Oh yeah, we were plugged in his, I think like his his uncle or somebody had a little part store down you know around the corner, and there was five rigs wedged up in there. <laughs> like this poor guy didn't get nothing done that week because all we were in there just hanging out for a week but you know stuff like that like it it was fun to get out there and race and you know like i said you didn't miss a race for about 10 years you know i go you go to all the big ones but it, it is different I, now that i've kind of stepped away you know i'm an old washed up crew guys what i tell, <laughs> every, what I tell everybody but now you, you get it a, a different respect like when i watch races now i'm kind of like oh that poor crew guy's got a lot yeah, of work, a lot to, of work do. to do you know or you know <laughs> Now I kind of can, can sit back and enjoy it a little bit.
1: Like, I don't even know, I enjoyed it, and it was fun, but now it's like, I ain't got all the work to do. Well, I watch some of them kids race. I'm looking at it like, man, they're, <laughs> I don't know if I want to work for him. He tears something up every night. I'm not going to name nobody, but, uh, no. you know, they tear stuff up every night. And I'm like, damn it. They, they gotta get up early in the morning and work on that thing all day just to race that next night. And
0: that's that's rough.
1: Yeah, that he, is rough. Daryl never tore much up. No, like you had a good working for him for the most part. I don't he never tears anything up. No, he's for the well, we we have tore a few up. We have tore a few up. But like for the
0: most part, like he was he was such a clean driver. Like he he kept his car so straight and you know, he'd race you hard. But he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna adore you. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't gonna use you up to get past you. Like he was gonna do everything he could to race you clean and get by you clean. And you know that that's a lot of you know drivers his age did that. Scott Blomquist, same way. Like he races you hard, and some of them some of the moves he makes you're like, oh, but he still he never touched the guy. You know Jimmy Owens is the same way. Um, that Earl Pearson's like that. You know. All them them older guys, they that's how they race. They they respected each other, and now the younger guys coming up, you know they're they're on the fuel, and they're on the fuel hard, and they and it's like they almost don't they don't wait. They the opportunity is there, and we're gonna take it. You know, it is what it is. It, you know, clear high or clear low. We're just going to chop your nose off or we're going to drive through you type <laughs> yeah. deal. And, you know, you look at it from from working from a guy like Daryl where, like I said, you, we rarely had body, you know, work or anything. Um, but some of these younger guys, you, you, you watched East Bay last week. <laughs> oh,
1: That's some, what, I'm, that's you know, what some, I'm referring to.
0: You know, and, and like – like I watched that deal when Overton was, you know, gun, you
1: know, racing. Even when Overton ran second that night, his whole deck and the right side door was knocked off of it. That was a lot of work. That, that next was a day.
0: lot of work. I mean, that wasn't just easy stuff to yeah. to fix either. You Still know,
1: finished second, but that was a lot of work. That, that was next a lot day.
0: of work the next day. So,
1: you know, being
0: involved with it and you seeing stuff like that, you're like, ugh,
1: like yeah, I do. Wow. I do it too.
0: That poor guy. But you know, stuff like I mean, it, I, I think the racing is, um, it, it's, it's. It's changing. You know, like you said, you got the younger guys out here. Um, the biggest thing, too, is, you know, you got younger guys and you got, you know, the older, the veterans. Um, everybody's got good equipment now. That's that's the thing. You know, almost back in the – when I first started, I mean, you can you could somewhat out-money somebody or, you know, go and get a different shop package of somebody. But now there's so many. You, know, you got Penske, Bilstein, Integra, you know. And they're all good. Fox. You know, you got all these – shock companies out there that they all do their homework and they're all good you know you can't pinpoint hey this right here's better than that one because next week you know you got you got Penske winning you know you got what Shepard Rocket Cars Integra won, you know you won three in a row down at East Bay on Integra's who wins the last night a Longhorn in, on Billsteins. you know and you got you got different people spread out through there that any given night they're up you know anybody can win that's it's, it's tough.
1: One of the biggest shock changes I noticed over the offseason was Jimmy Owens went from Orleans to, uh, I believe he's got
0: Bill, be, be Bill Stein. It might be Bill I know. I saw he, it on the side there. Come I know on. he went and got a Longhorn there towards the end of the, yeah. of last year. And so, I know, you know, Bill Stein and Longhorn, they kind of coincide with each other. You know, usually most, you know, you got Rumley over there kind of works for Longhorn and Bill Stein. So, you know, he's got Bill Stein's on. You know, Davenport switched last year to Bill Stein. T-Mac had him on for years, and, you know, T Mac stepped up his program last year and had a had a great year and so it's it's it the biggest thing is everybody's got good equipment now and it's it's almost hard to sit there and say well JD's <laughs> gonna win because he's
1: got you know every one of them's got the same everybody, thing
0: everybody's got big haulers everybody's yeah. got you
1: know they three all got four granite countertops in oh, their yeah, rigs
0: yeah. yeah. and they you know yeah them things are nicer <laughs> than my my home
1: yeah um, so another thing so. You know, we've talked a lot about Daryl Lanigan here, and Daryl went into the D- National Dirt Lake Model Hall of Fame this year at, up at Union yep. Kentucky, his hometown, yep. and I was lucky enough to get to be there, but I just wanted to know what you thought about that. I mean, I had to be feel pretty good for you because you were out there, you know, behind him for all those years. and
0: It, it, it meant a hard. lot. Like I, like I said, you, you work for a guy like that, and you you learn his likes and dislikes, but you when you kind of step back, you realize, man, this dude had it going on. Like he was the top of the top. Um, I mean, he was he was so focused, laser focused. Every race we go to, like he gets that bad rap of being, you know, being, um, being a, you know, kind of a prick and not, you know, not fan. But but people don't realize, like when we were at the racetrack, he was focused. Like that's that's what we want to do. That's what we did for a living was to win races. And to see everything that he's accomplished, you know, when I was with him, you know, we, we had some, some good years. We won two championships. We finished second one year in in, in, in the points. Um, won a lot of big races. Won Knoxville. Won Cedar Lake. Um, you know, the one down in, in Scraverin, you know, mm-hmm. the Firecracker in, up in um, Lernerville. And I, it, it him getting in, he deserved it. You know, he he started, you know, racing the locals, local tracks and worked his way up. He he earned everything he he got. You know, he he wasn't handed anything. Like he he worked hard to make his race car the best it could be every week. So for him to finally get recognized and, and get in that in the Hall of Fame, like I was so proud for him. Like that, that meant a, a lot, you know, and me being being with him for a lot of those, like two of the three championships he he has, I was part of, you know, and a lot of his big wins. I was a part of, and I felt like you know, part of me went in there with him. You know, I'm just young, but you know, what we what we accomplished as a as a team back then was was big, and for him to get in, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Proud of him.
1: I got a couple more quick questions here for you, and we've kind of got to wrap this thing up. But uh, a couple of years ago, you were with Daryl drove for a Barry Wright house mm-hmm. car, basically, and you were with Barry Wright. I want to ask if you got a good Barry Wright story because. And it's got to be radio-friendly. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but give uh, me a quick Barry Wright story real quick for the listeners.
0: Man. where do where? Barry taught me a lot. You know, like I said before, I'll say this with Barry. I, not really so much a story about Barry, but what – Barry was just so knowledgeable. Like, when I was with Daryl for so many years, like, I was a crew member and a tire guy. And when we, when we decided to go race for – with Barry raced a house car like Barry had his business Lance they they did they worked both they they worked the house car and they'd work the main shop dealing with customers and it kind of left me and you know to work on the car by myself Barry taught me so so much and I wouldn't say so much stories but he was just he was the way he would say some things sometimes just kind of like you idiot! Why, why why are you doing it like that? You, you need to do it like this. Like, uh, he said he always he's like just just to let you know. I've I've done this a few times. Yes, sir, you have. <laughs> yes, sir, you have. But the, like, the cool thing about Barry, he was just like just he would tell different stories. I don't really have a Barry story, but Barry just told me stories about him traveling up and down the road and and like he. he I gained a different respect for like Scott Blomquist because he would tell me stories about Scott and you know everybody gets that bad rap being weird and out in left field and aliens coming down but like Barry was with Scott <laughs> before all that you know and just but just weird things he would just you know he said this this kid with short short showed up in in the parking lot one day and said hey there's a ten thousand to win race up in Tennessee and Barry's like okay he's like well, I think you need to build me a car and Barry's like okay. We built him a car. Didn't hear from the guy for two weeks. First phone call he gets from Scott's like, "Yeah, I won that ten grand." Ray's like, "What? Yeah, I won that ten grand." And it's just like little in Barry's car, in Barry's yeah. car, and so they set it up out in the parking lot at Barry's shop. And there's just different things that Barry's. You know, I always like listening to those older guys, just the old stories about you know. I do too. The
1: wit and the wisdom that they the, oh, provide. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You almost like, man, I wish I was, I wish I was younger and go back and when racing in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah, but me too, I, but I think
1: about it a lot.
0: It's, it's like, man, what I miss. Yeah. What did I miss?
1: All right. So the next, so this will be the last question I'll ask you, I promise. Um, so you talked about whenever you were working for Daryl and you'd be going through the hauler there, taking a list of of your inventory on what you need, your brake clean and all that. Well, now turn the page a few years the next chapter of your life here you're working at sri performance right there with me and your phone rings all day from these guys that that are going down those lists and making lists and they're calling you yeah to get the stuff yep. so tell us a little bit about that job your yeah, day job
0: so i mean i long story short i ended up you know kind of leaving the racing you know full-time racing and i always kind of wanted to transition out of you know racing full-time on the road to kind of some, somewhat settled down and just kind of have not really a nine to five, but just kind of a, a, a normal job. And, um, saw, saw an opportunity, um, down here, uh, Jacqueline, uh, Kevin Rumley's wife kind of, I kind of reached out to her and said, Hey, I want to move to the North Carolina area. You know anybody hiring? She said, that's right. I'm like, okay. I'm familiar with them. They kind of sponsored us a little bit. We, we'd buy a few parts from them at the Berry deal. And then we, we, Got hooked up with that Viper Motorsports, and he was a big um, supporter of SRI. So I kind of had a an idea of what they were. So I interviewed and said, "We need a sales guy." It it does help because I was in that world and I did it, you know, Monday through Friday and at the racetrack. You know, I understand what these guys need, and I kind of feel for them sometimes. Like we're going, you know, everybody's feeling it. You know, you can't get nothing, can't get parts and everything else. But it's kind of like. I understand it, man. I understand. Like you, you need that set of you need know these guys. You, you need these rotors. You need this part. You need this. You know, I get it. You need a bell to build a race car. I'm sorry, but but yeah, it it, it helped me being in the racing, being involved week in and week out, understanding. Hey, what it takes to get that car to the racetrack, and and what you need in your trailer and all that. Now transition. Now I'm that guy. You know, I was always you know making a list, handing it to Daryl. Hey, we need this, this, and this, and he'd he'd make his phone calls to our suppliers. And now, guess what? I'm that guy. You know, <laughs> I, I'm the guy that everybody calls. Yes, my phone. People got my phone number. They're calling me. You know, I need this. I need that. Hey, will you check on this? Will you check on that? So it's pretty cool. I mean, I like it. I think it. It's um, it's keeping me involved in the sport. Like I love racing. I'll never I'll never stop going to races and enjoy watching it you know Mm -hmm. we got it we got flow on our on our phones right now watching volusia like i i love racing so this is uh this is a pretty good pretty cool job that i get to be involved with racing as much as sri does with with uh with the sport you know as far as sponsoring series and different drivers and different um events that they got going on it's pretty cool to be part of a company like that that you know that's what they are racing so it's 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 pretty
1: nice for sure well anybody listening to this if you need any racing parts be sure to get a hold of no, Adam down work. there That all right I ain't giving my phone number don't out, give it out over no, there no I ain't but... giving my phone number <laughs> out no I'm gonna give Armstrong's <laughs> yeah. number out no, call no Armstrong don't call me yeah so well, Adam, man, this has been a lot of fun. I, I it just, I, I came in here with a blank sheet of paper. I didn't have any notes, but I think that was perfect. I didn't need to. You didn't have no need, notes. I didn't need the notes, man. We just carried on a conversation.
0: We just taught racing. That's a lot all like we do.
1: a lot like we already do at work all the time and stuff. Yeah, so we
0: this, get we get in trouble real quick. We get in trouble at work. Uh, yeah, people come on my. y'all do anything? Yeah. Yeah. We sit so, there just talking stories. We'll we'll go watch racing. I was like, "What do you think about that?" And,
1: the. Well, the best thing we've done, we've got a TV right there at the sales counter. Don't tell,
0: don't tell them that now they're gonna think we don't work.
1: No, we don't We don't sit there and watch this behind us, but we bought a fire stick for us. We've got all these streams going all the time, so there's constantly racing on there. Yeah, we, anyway. get,
0: well, yeah, we get accused of not working, but <laughs> we always say, it's behind us. We can't see it. So yeah,
1: that's for the customers. That's so. for the customers. That's right. Well, Adam, this been, like I said, this has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate everybody for coming back and listening to the Forward Bike Podcast today. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to do some more of these. Uh kind of kind of good to get back in here and knock the dust off and uh and shake the rust off as well because it's been uh it's been since september since we've done one of these so it's uh it's good to be back and uh, hopefully we'll uh, have the opportunity to come back and do some more of these like i said and uh anyway another episode of the forward bike podcast is in the books i'm your host kyle armstrong we'll talk to you soon